Hey guys, it's Luis bringing you another episode of MMA Words. This is going to be episode four. Today we're going to be discussing UFC Fight Night Vancouver, Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cerrone. We're going to be discussing some recaps of the fight card. We're going to be going over two fights in particular that really, really, that that, that actually genuinely enjoyed not just because of the matchups, but just the drama during the fight. There was a whole story that was told within each fight. Um, and then also, uh, after the recap, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, and it just kind of transitions from Justin Gaethje and his evolution as a fighter um, into his UFC career, how it's changed, how it's evolved, uh, and then how the violence that it brings into the match and what that violence um what that violence uh, means when it comes to the psychology of MMA. So we'll cover that and more. It's going to be a short one today, guys, so stick with me, and we'll go over that here shortly. Hey guys, once again, welcome to another episode of MMA Words. Again, this is Luis, and today we're going to be talking about a couple fights from UFC Fight Night Vancouver. First and foremost, I want to start talking about, I believe, and I think they ended up getting a bonus for this, Fight of the Night. Uh, Tristan Connolly versus Michael Pereira. Uh, So Tristan Connolly, I'll give you guys a little bit of a backstory on this. So this was an undercard fight under the Justin Gaethje Cowboy Cerrone uh, card in Vancouver. <clears throat> and what makes this fight so special is a gentleman, Michael Pereira, or I'm sorry, I, I was mispronouncing his name, his name's Michel Pereira, uh, fighting out of Brazil. This guy is an absolute stud. Six foot one, 170 pounds, shredded to the bone. Uh, Coming off an amazing knockout win over Donnie Roberts in his UFC debut. This is this was his first UFC fight. Uh, it was uh, UFC Fight Night 152 against Dos, An- or Dos Anjos versus Lee. Knocks the guy out two minutes in with a beautiful flying knee. Uh, when I say beautiful flying knee, this guy got like three feet of air in that flying knee. So super athletic, super explosive. Reminds me a lot. Of the uh, what was that gentleman? The the light heavyweight uh, in the uh, in John Jones division right now, just super tall guy, very explosive, super athletic. So anyway, the story behind this is uh, Michelle Pereira, terrifying guy, terrifying matchup, huge guy for the division. Uh, opponent pulls out last minute, so in comes in Tristan Connolly, local fighter fighting out of uh, British Columbia, Canada. Took this fight on a week notice. Not only did he take this fight on a week notice, he's also taking this fight moving up a weight class. Now, Tristan Connolly has only had, I believe this was his UFC debut fight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, guy has a record of 14 wins, 6 losses. So this was definitely a step up in competition. Uh, what I love about this, this is the guy, and this, this kind of uh, holds dear to my heart is a black belt jiu-jitsu practitioner out of Vancouver, or excuse me, Victoria, Canada. Um, takes the fight, one week notice, goes, he normally fights at 155 pound weight division, goes up to 175 pounds, or excuse me, 170 pounds, 
to a stud of an athlete. Now, here's kind of where it gets really fun. Michelle Pereira comes in, huge show, has a choreographed entrance with his corner. They're all having this, this choreographed dance as they're coming in, total showman. As he's making his way, entrance into the octagon, starts dancing, doing some capoeira moves, break dancing in the middle of the octagon, total, again, total showman. Fight starts, and the showmanship does not stop there. If you guys saw the fight, Michelle Pereira immediately starts off with some crazy backflips, front flips, cartwheels, flying Superman punch off the cage, explosive flying knee. Meanwhile, in the other corner, Tristan Connolly, calm, collected, composed, rides out the explosiveness of round one. He knew that at this pace, Michel Pereira could not keep up this pace going into rounds two and rounds three. He knew that. Survive the onslaught of the first round, which really he did not get touched up at all. He was he was able to like keep his uh keep his composure. Uh, he was able to dodge all the explosive tri- strikes and uh, uh, not fall into Pereira's game plan. Uh, starting into round two, Michel Pereira was not the same man. He was slow. Hands were down. He was visibly gassed. Tristan saw this and moved forward. Round two, round three, took him down, used his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu background to really just impose his will on a much larger Michel Pereira. Because of that, this was my fight of the night. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, and, and not to knock on Michelle Pereira, I love the showmanship that he brought to that fight. I love the explosive uh, display of athleticism on his behalf. It is just a shame that he blew his load in the first round. If we could have seen that same explosiveness round one, round two, and round three, we might have had a different result on there. Uh, so hats off to both guys. Michelle Pereira, it's always uh, a risk taking a last-minute opponent after you after you prepare, prepared uh, a full fight camp for a different opponent. Um, and then, of course, once again, congratulations to Tristan Connolly for taking that fight on short notice, moving up a weight class, taking on a much higher level of adversity than he's used to on his UFC debut. So once again, congratulations to both guys. Congratulations to Tristan Connolly. I'm a huge fan. Let's move on to the next fight. Next fight that I want to discuss, Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, great fight. Great fighters on both sides. Uh, my Probably one of my all-time favorite fighters, Justin Gaethje, on the card. So I'm a huge fan. I uh, got the opportunity to see his fight when he was here in uh, Phoenix against Dustin Poirier, which was an amazing fight. I love that card. It was. They went back and forth. They both got rocked, and that's kind of what you can expect with Justin Gaethje. Um, but for this fight, your boy called it. Um, here's why. I was able to see that um, Justin Gaethje is uh, what you call in the boxing world uh, Mexican style. Comes in, comes forward, chin down, hands up. He's going to get in your face. He's going to start cracking right away. Uh, whereas Donald Cerrone is a very slow, methodical striker. When he gets in his rhythm, there's very little you can do to stop him. 
He's going to pick you apart with combinations. He's going to time you. He's going to come forward. His only catch, his only his only uh, real weakness, and a lot of other fighters have been able to expose this as well, is that in that first round, Donald Cerrone starts very slow. And that's part of his game plan. He's going to try to read you. He's going to try to pick you apart. Going into rounds two, rounds three, looking at his record, most of his finishes are round two against Alexander Hernandez, which was a great fight. He really tapped into that dark side uh, that he has against Alexander Hernandez. Serves him right. Um, round one, submission against Mike Perry. Uh, round two, knockout against Rick Story. Round three, knockout against Patrick Cote. So the list goes on and on. Guy does very well going into the second round. Um, However, if he gets caught in the first round, like he did against uh, Darren Till, knockout against uh, Darren Till. Um, knockout against Jorge Masvidal, round two. Knockout. Uh, loss, sorry. Knockout loss. Um, doctor stoppage, round two against Tony Ferguson. Uh, when he gets into those grooves where he starts off slow – and he's not able to impose his will. That's when he gets caught. He's not very good at fighting off his back foot. He's not a very good counterpuncher. But he's great at fighting counterpunches. People that are that think that they're going to time him and catch him off of one strike, come in with a counter. He already has two or three following that initial strike. He's going to hit you with that combination just like he did on that beautiful – it was almost like a video game uh, when he caught uh, Rick's story with that beautiful head-body head kick combination that finished the fight. So it's uh, on paper, it was a great matchup. There was going to be blood. There was going to be back and forth. Uh, but I knew coming into that fight, it just was not a good matchup for Cerrone. Justin Gaethje was going to come forward, crack him with some shots. And if he caught him on the exchanges and the shuffles, Donald Cerrone was going to drop. Uh, but hats off to both guys. Donald Cerrone, always game, ready to take on anyone at any given time. Um, Justin Gaethje, as always, you know, has has not had a fight in the last 10 uh, fights that he has that hasn't got finished. Either he's finishing people or he's getting finished. And out of those last 10 fights, only two he's gotten finished. Now it's against Eddie Alvarez and then most recently Dustin Poirier uh, that he had a chance to watch. Uh, so once again, congrats on both. And I think this kind of transitions well um, into the next segment here. So. Another thing, that, another reason why I truly believe that Gaethje was going to win this fight, um, building up to the fight, Cowboy always does, Kelis performs better when during the buildup, he becomes buddies with his opponents. Uh, he did that against the Mike Perry fight and he submitted him in the first round. He just seems to perform better when he doesn't have that dark cloud over his head of his opponent not liking him. For some reason, I, I don't know what the psychology is behind that, but that seems to just kind of hinder his performance. Gaethje, on the other hand, um, seems to have mastered the psychology behind the buildup of his fights. He always frames his opponent uh, in a box to where he's comfortable with him. He makes sure that he doesn't frame him in a way where he's gonna uh, not see them as an enemy. Because a, a big part of his game plan is to come forward and be aggressive 
and chip away at you and just be mean. And I believe that if he were to frame his opponent in an area where he he's their friend or their buddies and things like that, I don't think he can uh, press forward or, or move forward on his his game plan to impose his will. Um, and I think a lot of people are affected by this when it comes to like competing, uh, speaking publicly, when it comes to performing. Um, everyone kind of has their little tricks of the trade that help them uh, perform better um, under high stress situations. Have you ever? Have you guys ever been in a situation where you're uh, competing in front of a crowd, or you're you're speaking or performing in front of an audience, and your performance is just absolute trash, which is like mind-boggling because when you practice it it's like 10 times better you perform at one tenth of the ability that you normally practice in Uh, i know myself that was one of the biggest hurdles i've had Um, i wrestled when i was in high school um and i was just a a beast in practice right and we've we've all seen those guys i'm sure if you guys ever uh, played competitive sports there's always that one person who's just like an animal in practice but when it comes to fight day when it comes to be in front of those bright lights they perform at about one-tenth of the ability they normally practice for me personally when i competed um it was more the fear or the embarrassment of failure the fear or embarrassment of getting caught in something that is just silly right there was always that fear So whenever I competed, I would find myself just being constantly under defense. I mean, I could defend pretty much anything, got really good at it, but that's all I would do. I would defend a takedown, defend an arm drag, defend a throw, right? So I'd be defending, defending, defending without ever imposing my offense. And I think a lot of people, when they step onto the mat when they're competing, that fear just cripples their offense. and for some people, it's, it's really just a matter of finding something to trigger you to not care of the outcome when you impose your offense. Sometimes you genuinely just have to tap into that dark side. And when I say dark side, I mean proceed without the fear of outcome. Um, if you're fighting, throw that strike without the fear of it missing. Because the reality is it might miss and it might land. But don't fear the outcome. Shoot the takedown without the fear of getting sprawled on, right? You might get that takedown deep. You might not. But if you shoot it with the fear of getting sprawled on, you're never really fully into that takedown. And you have a much lower success rate of completing it on there. So that's all I got for you guys today. Um, so just to recap, we talked about Tristan Connolly and his amazing matchup against Michelle Pereira. Um, definitely step up his level of competition for that one uh, and really showed up, stuck to his game plan. Uh, Justin Gaethje versus Cowboy Cerrone. Again, I was super stoked I made that call, but given the history between the two fighters, um, in, the, in the words of the great Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised. Um, and then lastly, I uh, wanted to leave you guys a little tidbit of the psychology of competing. Um, don't forget to tap into that dark side. Use it to your advantage. Don't be afraid 
of the outcome. Don't be on the defensive all the time and don't be scared to set out some of your offense. Act on your offense. Use your offense. Be confident in your offense. Uh, But that's all I got for you guys today. We originally planned five episodes for this podcast. We're coming up on our fifth one. Likely it's going to be either Sheldon, Cab, or Steph. Maybe jumping in on a uh, joint podcast or maybe Cab running a solo one. Not sure yet, but when it drops, we'll let you know. Um, So once again, thanks guys for listening. Uh, Make sure to follow us at MMA underscore words on Instagram or listen to our podcast at MMAwords.com.